Hey, everyone, and welcome to Selwyn Avenue's podcast, Faith Lab, where we dig into scripture with authentic conversations. Um, This is Ashley Anderson, Selwyn's seminary intern, and we just want to thank you guys for joining us uh, today, whether you're on your walk, uh, your lunch break, or wherever you may find yourself today. We are thankful that you are spending time with us. So today we are continuing along with our sermon series, Walking with Jesus, uh, focusing on the Gospel of Mark. And this upcoming uh, Sunday, we have Margot preaching on Mark 9, verses 2 through 10. So just a little background, we have seen Jesus sleeping, we have seen him called in the waters, heal a demonic possessed man, and now we are about to witness his transfiguration. And um, we have been walking with Jesus. We are about to climb a mountain with him. And in the coming weeks, we will follow him into Jerusalem. So let's go ahead and jump into today's text. Um, Lisa, do you mind reading our scripture for today? Sure. Here you go. This is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them, no one anymore, only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Lisa. Um, So I really like the imagery of um, Moses and Elijah being in this moment. Elijah just happens to be um, one of my favorite prophets and was just wondering, Lori, do you mind giving us a little clip as to why Moses and Elijah were up there with Jesus? I wish, I wish I had a mountaintop experience like this, (laughs) but if I had one, I'm not sure I'd want to see Moses and Elijah, but just for those of you who, who are listening to the podcast, remember that Moses was a central figure in the old Testament who led the Israelites out of enslavement from Egypt into the promised land based on a series of covenant relationships and promises that had been made by God to God's people. And then Elijah was a mighty prophet that uh, was called into action to help um, the tempted Israelites to turn back from worshiping false gods, uh, specifically Baal. 
Elijah's name literally means Yahweh is God. And this, that story ends with Elijah in a great whirlwind in a chariot uh, with fire, and it whisks Elijah away into heaven. And our siblings who are Jewish still celebrate Passover by providing an empty chair and a cup of wine at their dinner table as they await Elijah's return to announce the coming of the Messiah. So these two great prophets are the ones that bookend uh, Jesus as, as signals and signs that Jesus is actually the Messiah that Peter, James, and John, all who were faithful Jews, had been waiting for. Okay, so this is Lisa, and essentially, Lori, what you're summarizing is um, two rock stars show up with Jesus on this mountaintop. So for James and Peter and John, they're standing there with Jesus, and it's like Elvis Presley and Taylor Swift show up with him. Now, uh, you know, I'm not saying they're uh, prophets or anything, no political statements behind that, just here are two famous people they have known of their whole lives and uh, are familiar with as legends, right? That's what we're saying. Elijah and Moses show up in this moment with Jesus to disclose his um, Messiah uh, brilliance, right? Just who he is. Here is the Messiah, and there's some famous legends that show up with him. Yeah, I, I, I love that, Lisa, and I can't imagine what Peter, James, and John must have been feeling, right? Like, we know what tops of mountains are like, often foggy, kind of hard to see one step in front of the other. They're following this man who's been doing all these unbelievable teachings and has just told them, yeah, I'm going to die. Like, and they're like, I love you. What do you mean? Why are you telling me this? So they're following this man up this mountain and they see these rock stars. Like, I can only imagine, uh, are we supposed to be here? Do we look good? Uh, what are we like, you know, those moments where you show up at a party and you stand in the corner and you don't know what to do. And, and Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let me go and make dwellings. Let, let me go do something for the two of you. I'm probably awe. I'm in, I'm starstruck for lack of better words. Um, everything I've, I've studied or learned, like this is the moment. This is this realization moment for these disciples. Yeah, thank you for that, that context. Um, and I think it's interesting too, that we have Peter who spoke out, right? Like he, he see, he witnesses this in front of him and he's the one who speaks out and the other two disciples are kind of quiet. And so it's like, well, was the fear of in awe, was it the fear of being scared? Um, when you have these holy moments and, you know, like Lori said, I wish, I wish in my life I had more of these moments. And what I like about Elijah being in the story, it reminds me that when he had an encounter with God, it was in the still small voice. Um, and, and it just reminds me um, that sometimes those mountaintop experiences may not always happen, um, but to look for the still small ways that God is moving in my life and, and in those lives around me. I do think, go ahead, Nancy. I'm sorry, this is Nancy. I just want to piggyback on what Ashley's saying and the piece that, you know, when God speaks and says, you know, this is my beloved, 
again, like he did when Jesus was being baptized and says, you know, listen to him. Again, it's a way of identifying, you know, what's happening and that Jesus is, again, on the way, our Messiah, our Savior. And I think that, I think that Ashley's right. We have to listen to both the big aha moments in our lives and also the still small voice and to be, to put yourself in a position where you can um, recognize these aha God moments and spending time with God helps with that. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, The word transfiguration means to change or to be changed. And so regardless of whether or not I actually know that I'm in God's presence or can see God with me or around me, one clue is if change is happening within you and around you, uh, it it normally is a a sign uh, that something's going on and God is likely involved. And change is hard and scary. Everybody likes to talk about change. Nobody really wants to do the changing themselves. Uh, It usually requires some sort of letting go, um, sacrifice, uh, shift in perspective, um, those sorts of things. And so, you know, Christ is in that moment of change, um, hopefully. And I think that's why in this story, the imagery of light is, is used, that oftentimes, you know, God's light shines shines bright on on the path um but sometimes it's just really hard to see that thanks for saying that Lori. i i wonder if any of our confirmands are listening or their parents or even someone who's been through confirmation before we're all on different parts of our faith journeys but i think that that's so important and i really hope they heard you say that um i think this text um especially this year right we have a, a group of 10 youth who are declaring their faith in a world that is so uncertain. Um, and there's something really powerful about that. Um, they're, they're climbing the mountain, <laughs> you know, they're like trying to get up there and see what's up there to be seen. Um, and they've got a lot of questions that they're figuring out along the way and a lot of change, like a lot, change in perspective, change in, um, I've, I've heard this story this way once and now I'm hearing it spoken again. And I think we all, not just in confirmation or an immersive, like an immersive part of our faith journeys, but I think as people of faith, we have this all along the line. And so if any confirmands or their parents are listening, hear those words, hopefully as, as assurance. And, and also that, um, that, that, that change is hard. I think that's, that's so important to remember, Lori. Thanks. Can I say something else as I'm listening to you talk? So they're all freaked out. They all go up the mountain and Peter's like, I'm going to get some tents so we can stay up here a while. Like it feels pretty good. I feel pretty important to be up here. And so let's just note in the middle of our 11th month of a pandemic that I don't blame Peter for wanting to stay on top of the mountain for a few days because things are a little clearer when we pull ourselves out of our daily mundane, confusing, disorienting existence. And for me, that's the temptation is to escape reality, the hard work down below. Uh, and yet uh, when we create space like that, typically, typically there's a little more room to pay attention to what's happening around you in terms of your faith. 
I agree with that, Lori. And I think it's also important to note, though, that like it, it does help to sort of foster the opportunity to to listen, right? And so, um, you know, cutting off Netflix and taking a walk, or um, you know, taking a run, whatever it is you might do, yoga, meditation, however you might just. Um, look for opportunities to, to engage and uh, try to create a mountaintop moment when you're not on the mountain. Um, I think of a time in my life when I was, um, you know, in transition and I was a, a young mom and my kids were with me 24 seven and there was just the chaos and the noise of life all the time. It was beautiful noise, but um, I found myself alone in the car for a couple of hours, right? And it just seemed like the hugest gift to me. And I just, I cut off the radio and enjoyed the silence. And, um, you know, it was a time when I felt very lonely as, a, as an adult. And I, there was just a little bird flying in front of my car. And I swear it flew the whole two hours on the highway. And for me, it just, it was like a little, a mountaintop moment, a little encounter with the divine where I felt like God was saying, I'm with you. See this little bird? I'm with you, right? And you are you might feel lonely, but you're never alone. I am with you. And so just maybe looking for the presence and the divine moment. And I think so often we fill our minds with escapes, books, Netflix, music, whatever it might be. Thanks, Lisa. I'd love to read a quote for you all. Um, it's Jill Duffield. She's wonderful and wise and beautiful with words. And I think what we're kind of talking about is how change disorients us. And so here's what she has to say about this text. Sometimes we need to be disoriented in order to truly find our way. Sometimes we must not only just keep awake, but be on high alert in order to experience the divine. Sometimes the familiar transforms into the holy and God appears on roads we've traveled countless times. Sometimes the pillars of the past point the way to the transfigured, unforeseen new future. Sometimes in terror, the glory of God surrounds us. Sometimes once we've seen Jesus's face and been in the company of Moses and Elijah and heard God's voice, all we can do is keep silent and await further instructions. I think that quote's beautiful. And I think that that's also a piece of this text that I always find really powerful right at the end that as they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one until they had seen until after the son of man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. They had no idea what was coming. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that they went up the mountain and down the mountain, biblically, when we see this, we know that transformation is usually occurring. Um, and the truth is, as they're coming down the mountain, you know, as we, we continue to walk with Jesus, we're following him into Jerusalem. Um, we're following him to the cross. And what, what does that kind of change mean and look like? And, um, 
you know, how, how do we see that movement in our own lives on a day-to-day basis? Um, and Lisa, th- thank you for sharing the, the story about the bird. You know, I, th- I think it's in those moments, um, those quiet, holy moments where we can seek God. I mean, God is in creation. God creates. So um, if you're ever looking for that space, you know, just step outside and, and experience it. Um, but I think the hard part on, on the end of this story is that they're changed coming down the mountain and, and they have, they're following Jesus in, into Jerusalem. I know we probably need to go, but I was thinking that Ashley, like I usually experience God the most when I'm suffering and when I've experienced extreme loss and grief and confusion and anger, you usually God is for me, um, palpable and, and accessible in those moments in unexpected surprising ways. And so, you know, we focus so much on getting up the mountain, but you know, we know how the story ends and, and therefore there, there's hope in, in that truth as well. Amen to that. Margo, do you mind praying us out as we head into our days? Yeah, absolutely. If any of you are listening to this while you're catching a moment for yourself on your lunch break or on your walk, I'm going to read a, a midday prayer um, from a book of daily prayers written by Brian McLaren. Let's pray. We break from the doing of our day and make space to notice you. You are always with us in new and surprising ways. Jesus of the flesh, we meet you in worker and friend, stranger and pilgrim, the needy and the needed, the questioner and the questioned. So when we meet you, may we deepen trust, deepen life, deepen justice, and deepen joy. And when you meet us, help us approach our activities with presence and power, with love and humility, and with courage and dignity. Amen. As you kind of go about your weeks, um, I'd like to leave you all with something to think about. Um, When have you been going through an experience of change that maybe did later lead to transformation? Or when did you see Jesus in a whole new light and as a result, see and understand God's mission in the world or in your life in a new way? I hope that you will gather with us all on Sunday morning for worship. Um, we, we can't wait to worship with you all. We hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.